Welcome to Goat Valley Campgrounds. Looking for a place to escape your busy life and reconnect with nature? Goat Valley Campgrounds features 300 acres of quiet forest and peaceful scenery for you to enjoy. Come meet Kate. She runs the place like your parents before her. We know you'll enjoy your stay as long as you behave yourself and follow the rules. Your survival depends on it. The No Sleep Podcast presents Goat Valley Campgrounds by Bonnie Quinn. Chapter 7 what life was like back then, when everyone knew these inhuman things existed. It was just an ordinary part of life, I imagine. You did your rituals and carried your talismans, and when someone died to one of these creatures, you mourned them, just like you'd mourn someone that died of disease or any other natural way. I like to think that people were more careful back then, that predation from the inhuman things was a rare occurrence but an accepted risk of life, and people didn't look for someone to blame. It's wishful thinking. My town knows inhuman things exist. We all grew up with the shadow of the forest and the creatures that lurked inside, looming in the back of our minds. We know the world isn't safe. But instead of doing their rituals and carrying their talismans, they spent generations looking for someone to blame. That blame falls on the campground. As if things would change if we were gone. They don't blame us for the people that die. They would die regardless of my family's presence. They blame us for not being able to live in happy ignorance like so much of the rest of the world. The campground reminds them of their helplessness, and they hate me for it. My name is Kate, and this is Goat Valley Campgrounds. The man with no shadow is why I had no friends growing up. I suppose it was better that way. We're lucky that no one got hurt. At least, not while we were kids. I don't know when it started. The man with no shadow plans for the long term. He befriends his victims and then waits, years sometimes, before using their trust to carry out his bidding. He's different from the rest of our campground inhabitants in this respect. The majority of them are creatures of impulse and instinct, acting on their desires as they arise. Few plan. Few think ahead. This difference between them is what makes the man with no shadow dangerous. It's unnerving to think that he could have had my best friend in his sway for years. What did she tell him? Was there anything of substance he could have learned from me secondhand at such an early age? Or did she listen in on my parents' conversations when they were in the kitchen talking in low voices so that we wouldn't overhear? Did she look around their office when no one was around? My parents questioned her after it was discovered, but all she would say was that her friend had said not to tell, and so she wouldn't. I remember the end, the last time I had friends over to the campground. Before then, I felt like a normal kid. I was eight, 
I attended school, and while I wasn't popular, I certainly wasn't bullied, and my classmates treated me with respect. No doubt there were conversations around the dinner table about how my family was the reason their parents had livelihoods and they were not to hassle my brother and I, just in case. I like to believe my parents wouldn't have retaliated. Yet I've told you of the times I've killed a camper or an employee, and you know that I learned that from someone. Perhaps I was a bit conceited, and I certainly enjoyed the attention of my peers, but I wasn't overtly cruel. I was mean in subtle ways in how I made those around me feel lesser, simply by how I put myself above them. And then I made them love me by deigning to grant them my notice. I netted me a number of loyal friends, girls that responded to this sort of manipulation. There was only one that I considered my peer. Arrogant and intelligent like me. Canny and sharp like a whip. A skinny girl with wild hair and coiled energy nestled inside like a snake ready to strike. Her name was Laura, and she became my best friend. We loved the woods. We'd sneak into the tree line at recess and climb the rocks and trees until the teacher saw us and yelled for us to come out. Then we'd go right back in once their backs were turned. We made our own elaborate games of make-believe, and Laura and I were both queens of our own lands and all the rest of our friends were our subjects. We'd wage war with sticks and array our armies against each other until the teachers yelled at us again. The campground was a much better playground for us. There were no teachers to yell, just my parents and the staff during daylight hours. In the well-trafficked parts of the campground, there was little danger. We were just told to not bother the people here that camp. Who's that over there? Don't the people who camp here stay out of the woods? Not always. They don't have to stay on the roads. That's odd. He doesn't have a shadow. Look, there's the tree I told you about. See, you can climb really high in it. I I told my dad I want him to build me a treehouse in it. You're going to get a treehouse? He said he'd think about it. If you're taken aback at the idea of a bunch of young children playing in the woods of my campground, I should remind you that we see a lot of people pass through every year, and most of them return home safely. It's only the unwary or the exceedingly unlucky that have come to harm. Your perception of my campground is perhaps a little skewed because I've told you the worst of it. Because that's what's interesting. None of you read these posts to hear about how someone spent two weeks reading in a hammock and taking naps. We sometimes split up for our games. It's apparent why the man with no shadow targeted Laura. She was always the leader of the other team, and I the leader of the other. I'm not sure how we separated her from the others. Or perhaps he didn't. Perhaps they forgot what my parents told them as well. But at some point during our friendship, he approached her, and they talked, and then she belonged to him. It doesn't take long for the man with no shadow to claim a new servant. One conversation, maybe two, depending on how strong the victim's will is. If you encounter a stranger, coerce him into the sunlight quickly. Speak as little as possible until you can see if he has a shadow. The man with no shadow waited until my birthday to use Laura against my family. I wanted a sleepover, and since my birthday is close to Christmas, my parents tried to ensure it felt special by letting me do whatever I liked. We were put in the living room with sleeping bags and snacks, and my brother was allowed to hide in his room and play video games all night while we watched movies and shrieked and laughed. At some point, I fell asleep, along with a handful of my friends. 
Laura woke them up, careful not to disturb me. Shh, it'll be a surprise for Kate. Don't wake her up. (sighs) What kind of surprise? I'll tell you when we get there. Just get up and get your shoes on. We are going to go into the forest. (sighs) But I'm tired. It's a birthday surprise. Quit being so lazy and follow me. It was Laura asking, and they obeyed her as easily as they obeyed me. I continued to sleep until the cold air creeping in from the front door woke me. I was disoriented and then frightened, realizing that my friends were gone and the front door hung open. I ran to it, terrified that my parents would find out because they had told us over and over and over that we were to never leave a window or door open overnight. The little girl sat cross-legged just on the other side of the doorway. I hesitated, reluctant to be so rude as to shut the door in her face. You didn't come inside. I can't. Only proper residents of the house can invite me in. Where'd my friends go? Into the forest. Oh. The man with no shadow wants to see you. He's waiting by the edge of the woods. Is it safe to go to him? She shrugged and rose, smoothing her white skirt with her palms. Nothing is safe. You just try to pretend otherwise. It was only 1 a.m., There was still time to find my friends and get back to the house before the beast showed up. This was what I told myself. I thought that if I woke my parents, they'd be so angry at my friends, but especially at me for not keeping them safe. I didn't want any of us to get in trouble, and so I resolved to fix this before morning. I left through the front door, shutting it behind me, reasoning that because my friend had opened it instead of me, then I would be safe from the little girl. And I was. She stood a short distance away and watched, but... I'm not sure if that was because my logic was correct or if she just didn't want to kill me until I was an adult. I found the man with no shadow out by the trees, just as she'd said. He changes his appearance periodically. At the time, he was dark-haired, tanned, tall, and muscular. He crouched as I approached so that I didn't have to stare up at him so much. Are you looking for your friends? I can take you to them. My parents said I can't talk to you. Bad things happen to everyone that does. Then I won't talk. This seemed like an acceptable compromise, and when he stood and walked away, I followed. I was afraid, but not nearly as afraid as I should have been. Not enough to turn back. The things in the woods treat children differently. Some of the beasts are mindless things that make no distinction and view all humans as mere meat. But the ones that do understand? There are conditions that have to be met first before they'll harm a child. A trial. A rite of passage. A failure to grow. The man with no shadow was my trial. But not at this time. Not until much later. When I was eight, I was merely the tool which he wielded against my parents. He took me to the grove with the stones... Giant, moss-covered boulders dug up by glaciers hunkered in the middle of a small clearing. This was where the man with no shadow could be typically found. I don't think he has much power outside the grove. Aside from his ability to persuade and thus entrap minds, I've seen him exhibit no other power outside its boundaries. He stepped aside and let me enter the clearing. My eyes had adjusted to the dim moonlight by that point, and I could make out the outlines of bodies. Seven girls sitting with their backs against the boulder and their chins drooping to their chests. I went up to Maria and put a hand against her chest to feel that she was still breathing. 
Now run and tell your mother what you've seen. He stood behind me, content to let me inspect his handiwork uninterrupted. Tell her that if she wants these released, then I must have something in exchange. What did you do to them? I suppose I could explain. But aren't you not supposed to talk to me? Now go. His last word ran through me like an electric shock. I did as he bid. I turned and ran from that clearing, tears obscuring my vision, stumbling through the darkness with only one desperate thought in my mind. My parents could fix this. The silent, still forms of my friends haunted my mind, and I thought, if I'd been smarter or more careful, or maybe if I didn't have friends at all, then this wouldn't have happened. I was incoherent when I woke my mother. She quickly hushed my sobs and extricated herself from the bed, careful not to wake my father as well. Then, in the kitchen, I sat and gasped hysterically, getting my words out one at a time until my mother was able to put the pieces together. The, the, the man with no shadow! Did he do something? Yeah! Is he the reason your friends aren't here? He, they, they, they looked like, the, like, like they were asleep. Stay in the house. I'll go get them. She put on shoes and a jacket and went to deal with him. And when she came back, my friends were with her, pale and shaking. Laura, however, was serene. And she smiled at me. And this didn't escape my mother's notice. For she took Laura aside and questioned her separately from the other girls. Then she took Laura to the car and drove her home. My parents sat me down the next day after everyone had gone and told me I couldn't be friends with Laura anymore. They knew that would be hard because I was close to her, but she belonged to the man with no shadow now, and she wasn't safe. I wondered what he'd promised her. We were rivals sometimes. I saw the jealousy in her eyes in a rare moment when she thought I wasn't looking. I wonder if he said he could make her greater than me. At school on Monday, I found that Laura was the only one that would speak to me, and I refused to associate with her, just as I'd been instructed. Kate, I'm sorry I had to leave your birthday party early. Your mom is kind of mean, isn't she? Kate? What's the matter? Go away! What's your problem? Don't walk away from me! Let go of me! The problem is you talked to the man with no shadow and, and now we can't be friends anymore! It's not safe! Kate? Kate! Ugh, fine. Who wants to be friends with you anyway? Your whole family is weird. And when I went to sit with my other friends at lunch, they all got up and left, leaving me sitting alone at the table. That's how it was after that. I think their parents told them to stay away from me, just as I was told to stay away from Laura, and all the rest of the kids followed their example. I was desperately lonely from that point on and spent my recesses in the library, where the librarian took pity on me and gave me her favorite books to read and talked to me when no one else would. I didn't really interact with Laura again until after our high school graduation. My family held a party for my graduation, even though I'd said I didn't want one because I knew none of my peers would attend. It was just aunts and uncles and so many cousins and all the campground staff, which was kind of them. Some of them even brought gifts. One brought me a small ironing board and an iron, 
which I used well past college until the handle of the iron cracked and fell off. At one point during the party, I stepped outside to get away from the crowd. My parents' house wasn't made to accommodate that many people. Someone was walking down the path leading from the campground entrance, a person in robes wearing a cap. For a brief moment, I was elated, thinking that perhaps one of my classmates had actually come to my party. I hurried to meet them, then slowed and stopped as I realized who it was. Laura. Laura was here. You still don't trust me? You could have gotten them all killed! But no one was actually hurt. Besides, aren't you the one that put us all in danger? Me? Yes, you. She looked around at the campsite. Her gaze lingered on the forest in the distance. Why would you invite us over here? It's not safe for anyone here. If you just do as you're supposed to- You shouldn't have friends at all. Everyone around you gets hurt. Why didn't you realize this sooner? You could have kept us safe. But no, you just had to have friends. You deserve to be alone. Shut up! You're just saying this because the man with no shadow puts you up to it! Really? That's your excuse? It's been a long time. The man with no shadow never lets people go. Never! No. His voice came from somewhere just behind me. I hadn't heard him approach. I do not. Laura, kill her for me, won't you? Laura lunged at me, fingers outstretched, reaching for my throat. Her lips were peeled back in a soundless snarl, and her eyes were wide, and I thought I saw desperation buried inside them. Then there was no time left for contemplation, for we were falling, hitting the packed dirt of the road, and her fingers were around my neck. I was the stronger one. I spent my evenings and my summers working on the campground. I don't recall exactly how it happened, but I seized her and threw her aside, and then I was over top of her, and it was my hands around her throat. I held her down while she thrashed beneath me, fingernails clawing at my face, froth speckling her lips, and her feet kicking helplessly at the ground. I hated her in that moment, because she'd betrayed me, because she was the reason I'd been so lonely all these years. Perhaps that isn't fair. But that hatred was strong enough to give me the will to keep pressing down on her windpipe, even as her chest convulsed in a desperate attempt to bring in air, even as her struggles subsided and she went still, even as a bluish cast settled into the skin around her mouth and eyes, and I held on long after she stopped moving, until she was well and truly dead. Through all of this, the man with no shadow watched impassively. No. You are of age. And he walked away, leaving me there with the body of my former friend. I said earlier that the creatures of the forest won't harm children unless they fail their test. This was mine. The day I graduated high school was the day I first killed someone. It's when I realized that my childhood was officially over and nothing was left to protect me from the dangers of this world. It's the day I finally understood that someday the beast and the little girl will be my doom. Knew it in my heart and felt it in my bones. The man with no shadow plays a very long game. He hangs on to people their entire lives. I'm not certain what he's trying to accomplish or even if he has a specific goal in mind. 
Perhaps he merely takes opportunities as they arise, collecting those foolish enough to fall into his grasp and keeping them until the day comes when he can make use of their naivete. We evict anyone we catch conversing with the man with no shadow. They're banned from the campsite forever. We can't take risks. But even if the man with no shadow has no goal other than to cause trouble for us, what he did with Laura poisoned my relationship with the town before I even took ownership of the campground. There were many that whispered that I'd turned out just like my mother. Or worse, they remembered my grandfather and the things he did. Perhaps my father was trying to be different, but the whole family tree was rotten. You can't fix people like us. I know who among the locals feel this way. I feel their hostile stares when I go to get groceries. For a long time, that was all they could do. Try to make me feel uncomfortable when I left the campground. It was ineffective. Then they got Sheriff Savada on their side and things got worse. They started to call town hall meetings. I thought they were just trying to waste my time. It wasn't anything they could really do to me after all. The campground was private property. The town would never have majority support on doing anything underhanded that would make running it infeasible. I should have realized what they were doing. They were building my reputation for me. Look, it's Kate again, being called to the town hall to answer for something that happened to the campground. She's just like the rest of her family. Ugh. Do you remember how she killed someone when she was only 18? I was called to a town hall meeting over what happened at the town fair. It was inevitable. I'd mentally prepared myself for it in advance. My presence wasn't required. They couldn't force me to come. But when I received the letter that all the locals got, I knew I had to be there. There wasn't much I could say. Yes, the man with the skull cup left the campground. Yes, people were poisoned. But no one was seriously hurt, and certainly no one died. The man with the skull cup is more of a trickster. Nothing to be concerned about. Hopefully, no one would bring up that he has killed people before. I'm not sure if they know. We keep the campground's business as quiet as we can, even from the locals. My heart sank when I parked outside the old town courthouse that hosted our meetings. The parking lot was already full. I try to be early, but from the quiet outside and the lights inside the building, it seemed the meeting had already started. Someone had switched out my letter had been given the wrong start time. I grit my teeth, straightened my jacket, and marched inside. Laura's father was at the podium, wrapping up his ten minutes to speak. They'd timed this well, down to my habit of arriving precisely fifteen minutes early. I stoically ignored the murmur that ran through the crowd as I walked in. Oh, there she is. Glad to see how high the town ranks in your priorities, Kate. Car wouldn't start. Needed a new battery. Well, I was just explaining that it's perfectly within your character for you to stand by and do nothing while inhuman things walk freely among us with malicious intent. Oh, come off it. No one was hurt. Oh, not this time. But it always escalates with the campground, doesn't it? That is a lie. If people just follow the rules... And even if you do survive one of those things... There's no guarantee you'll be safe from the campground manager herself. Remember my daughter? How she was murdered on the day of her high school graduation? She tried to kill me! But did your parents try to keep it from ever getting to that point? Did they do anything 
to free people of the man with no shadows influence? I was silent. I honestly didn't know. But he took that as an admission of guilt. No, of course not. He turned his attention to the crowd, no longer addressing me, but speaking to the town instead. I seethed, biting down the urge to explode with rage and further make his point. Nor has Kate made any kind of attempt. Her family has always been good at protecting themselves and the campground at the expense of everyone else. They'll tell you that it's not their fault, that these creatures can't be stopped, and that if everyone just did what they were supposed to, it wouldn't be a problem. Well, look what that's got us. I lost my daughter. Some of you may have lost others. And now we've got those inhuman things walking freely among us while Kate stands by and does nothing. You know what happens if you or, or I are bad at our jobs? We get fired. Why is Kate special? I say the campground needs new management. Now look here. I don't see any of you doing anything about these creatures. You come running to us to take care of it. When the devil came around, it was my mother that got him out of here. When the vanishing house swallowed up the old sheriff, I was the one trying to pull him out. So sure, let's see someone else take over the campground. You want to sleep in my house? Hear the girl crying outside your window? Go on, stand up. Let me see who's willing to do it. My heart pounded in my chest. The room was silent, save for some shuffling of feet and a nervous cough. No one stood. I allowed myself a thin smile of triumph. Of course not. If you've all got actual ideas on how we can better control the inhuman things out there, I'm willing to listen. But until then, don't waste my time like this. I've got a campground to run. I almost made it to the door. Almost. It was my moment of triumph walking out of there in a heavy silence, knowing their bluff was called and there was nothing they could do to me. Then, someone stood up. Well, won't matter what Kate wants soon enough. I've already told my people to stop covering up the deaths that happen out there. Word's gonna get out. My blood ran cold. It wasn't just my reputation he was threatening. The legal consequences could destroy the campground. It could destroy me. But that campground is also our livelihood. No one would come through here without it. I don't think that's true. And know what happens if it's sold? It's not old land anymore. So that was it. That was what he was trying to do. I shoved the door open and stepped out into the open air, letting it fall shut behind me. The shouting vanished. It's our family that makes the land old. It's tied to our blood, passed down from generation to generation. There's significance in that. If we sold it, perhaps it would retain some of its status, but it would be weakened. We've long known that our campground attracts inhuman things and keeps them out of the surrounding area. But now, after seeing the man with the skull cap unable to leave without my permission, I understand it a bit better. They aren't just attracted to my land. They're trapped here and my family are their jailers. 
What happens if we let them all loose? I couldn't let the sheriff get his way. I had to find a way to break his influence over this town, no matter the cost. Because if I was removed and this campground changed hands, then all these creatures would be free to prey on far, far more than just a few stray campers. Goat Valley Campgrounds was written and adapted for audio by Bonnie Quinn. Produced for the No Sleep Podcast by Phil Mykolski. Musical score composed by Brandon Boone. Starring Lindsay Russo as Kate, Nicole Doolin as Kate's mom, Kristen DiMercurio as Laura, David Cummings as Sheriff Sabota, Nicole Goodnight as The Little Girl, Graham Rowett as the man with no shadow, Jeff Clement as Laura's dad, Kelly Bear as the girl at the party, and Brandon Boone as the town local. Join us next week for Chapter 8 of Goat Valley Campgrounds. This audio program is copyright 2022 by Creative Reason Media, Inc., all rights reserved. No reproduction or use of this content is permitted without the express written consent of Creative Reason Media, Inc. The copyright for Goat Valley Campgrounds is held 